the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The 2024 election is going to look a lot like 2020. And then we're joined by Elizabeth Urbanowitz, founder of Foundation Worldview. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on a Tuesday afternoon. Usually joined by Aubrey Sampson, but as we've been saying, Aubrey's, uh, as she opened up about on our Monday show, just dealing with some health issues, some uh, just some chronic pain issues. So she's taking some time off. We look forward to Aubrey being back with us. Might be tomorrow, might be later in the week. We shall see. But uh, hopefully praying Aubrey gets better quickly. We are glad that you're joining us a little bit later on in the hour. We're going to be joined by Elizabeth Urbanowitz. She is the CEO and the founder of an organization called Foundation Worldview, which looks to uh, equip kids and students and parents and churches to do exactly what it says, to think biblically, to have a uh, for kids to know how to think well, to think biblically, to have a good worldview and to process all that's going around around them. A lot of times we just think information, imparting information upon our kids. But this great organization that Elizabeth has started is trying to say, how do we equip our kids to think and to process? Uh, I'm really excited to talk to her. So we're going to do that just after 530. That's going to be Elizabeth Urbanowitz from Foundation Worldview. But before that, friends, uh, it, it is a little bit of uh, back to the future. It's a little bit of Groundhog Day, whatever imagery you want. But uh, this morning, online, current President Joe Biden announced his intention to run for reelection uh, in 2024. And then many people think that polls show that well, obviously a ton can change. But if the polls were accurate today, then he would be running against former President Donald Trump, whom he ran against in 2020. Uh, and I wonder what you think about that out there. Like Joe Biden is what, 80? Donald Trump is pushing 80? And I'm going to lay my political cards on the table and go, uh, we are a country of brilliant people with wonderful ideas, and we're going to run Joe Biden and Donald Trump again? Like, I read the, uh, you know, as I thought about that, uh, Mike Cosper, who you might know him of uh, the Mars Hill podcast, he he's the one who created that podcast. Um he retweeted Joe Biden's announcement video, and it just said, well, looks like nothing but reruns in 2024. And I wonder why it is that we do this. This is what got me thinking. I saw the video this morning, and obviously we all thought Joe Biden was going to run again. When he first was elected, there was some thought that he would be a one-term president. But it, this is not a surprise that Joe Biden is running again. But and it's also not a surprise that Donald Trump's running again. Donald Trump, he thought he got 
you know, the election stolen from him, whatever else it might be. And he is obviously a long time to go, but he seems to be distancing himself currently. If we take a snapshot of today from a lot of the Republican field. And so uh, if it were Joe Biden and Donald Trump again, I want you just to think about what does that say about us as a culture? An 80-year-old guy that a lot of people mock, a mid to late 70-year-old guy who a lot of people mock. Uh, both sides think the other one has some cognitive issues, whatever else it might be. I, I wonder why it is that we are constantly running people who are old in their 70s or in Joe Biden's case, 80s. Instead of much of the rest of the world, business world, church world, whatever else it might be, like the sweet spot is early 50s, maybe. Like that's where the sweet spot of uh, experience, but also innovation. I know a lot of people think, no, it's your mid 20s. But generally, I've used this stat before in the church world, which a lot of us deal with, the, the, the vast majority of mega church pastors, if you were to create from statistics the what a mega church pastor looks like demographically age wise, the age of that pastor is going to be in his low fifties, and so that seems to be the sweet spot. And it makes me wonder, like, why don't we both sides of the aisle? Why aren't they running men or women who? Uh, are more that age, who are more um, representative of the people who are leading culturally. What is it about our politics that kind of holds on to old? Because we think about our congressmen and women. There are a lot of people who've been in there for decades. And I just wonder if this is part of our problem. Like, whatever you think politically of Barack Obama— I think that's what energized so many people when he ran was that he wasn't old, like simply the fact that he wasn't old. He had young kids and he was youthful. And we used to get that right when when George W. Bush was elected, his kids were young and this that when Bill Clinton was elected. It was the same. I don't understand this bringing back uh, and this holding on to power. And it makes me think about the church and our government and all of this, that we just don't do a good job of like raising up the next. Like if you're a pastor out there in your mid fifties, if you're a business owner out there in your mid fifties, early sixties, whatever else it might be, like there comes a time where you need to think about how do I empower the next generation and the generation behind them so that they can come and lead. At what point do we hand off the mantle and go, now it's your turn? Like, I don't know. If this really does become an election of Joe Biden versus uh, Donald Trump, that's going to be super depressing to me. I'm going to look at that one and go, politics aside, and obviously the politics are what's going to drive who you vote for, but even politics aside and just the the nature of who we're putting up there and I'm going, man, we're putting up there like 75 to 80 year old white guys again. Like what are, what is this? 
So I don't know how you feel about that. But when I saw that this morning, like I just wish I tend to vote Republican, right? I tend to be conservative in my politics, not nearly as conservative as a lot of you out there, but I tend to be conservative out there. And I just long for the day when the Republican Party puts out there some fresh face who is, uh, you know, in their late 40s, early 50s with new ideas, ready to rally the troops and full of energy and say, let's go. But, man, it's just not the case on either side. And I, I, I just don't get it. Well, coming up next, there was an enormous shakeup at two of the most well-known um, cable news outlets yesterday. And I want to kind of process what's the takeaway from that? What can we do with that? We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. But we hope that you are doing well as we... I don't know. Doesn't it feel like we're limping towards spring? Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I've told you on this on the show many times. My son plays baseball. He's on the JV team at Wheaton Academy. And uh, two Saturdays ago, he had a game in which we all left it sunburned. It was that gorgeous. Last Sunday, Saturday, he had two games and it snowed. And we were all in long johns and winter hats and everything else. And I thought, that is... That's Chicago. That is springtime Chicago right there. And I will never allow myself to be surprised again uh, by it. But man, you've got to be kidding me. Like, we just needed to turn a corner, 60, 70 degrees, uh, and here we go. Uh, so there's that. Also, we're a, week, we're, we're a week and a half out. I'm going to pull an Aubrey Sampson here from my birthday. And it just hit me the other day. Like, wow, my birthday's coming, and I'm getting older and older and older. And... Uh, so excited. My my daughter's coming home from college on my birthday or the night before. So looking forward to celebrating. Although, as is it, you know, when we're kids, we have birthday parties and we get all these gifts and stuff. Looks like my lawnmower broke yesterday. So I said to my wife, do not buy me a gift. Not one, not even like a $5 gift. I need to use all of our money towards a lawnmower. So uh, that is what it means to be turning. What am I turning now? 40 46. That is what it means to be turning 46. <laughs> so uh, we are glad that you are joining us. Glad that you're with us today. All right. Major shakeup in the world of cable news. I'm not a huge cable news person, but I know that a lot of you out there are. So it was wild. Two major things happened on one day. The first one, the more minor one was that, uh, and he, this guy was a lightning rod of controversy, but Don Lemon was let go at CNN. He had he used to have a, a, a nightly show. Then it turned into a morning show. A lot of people had a hard time with him. Um, I know his ratings were, were going down and down. And just he had said some stuff that really put him in the crosshairs with people. But he uh, was let go. Then he went on social media and said, I can't believe after all these years, you know, they just let me go by a phone call or whatever. And it was kind of woe is me. And then CNN Communications came out with a follow-up tweet that says, that is not true. He was offered an opportunity to come meet with us, but declined and instead vented on social media. So called out by his former employers. Uh, but that was a big deal at CNN, right? I would guess, I don't watch a whole lot of CNN, but I would guess after Anderson Cooper, maybe Jake Tapper, you got Don Lemon. And so they let him go. But then uh, the bomb dropped. And that bomb drop being the uh, the immediate dismissal of Tucker Carlson from Fox News. Now, Tucker Carlson, 
uh, one of, if not the um, most popular cable news people, uh, one of the wealthiest uh, cable news people, uh, one of the most influential cable news people. uh, And there seems to be some dispute about whether he quit or whether he was fired, but a lot of it has to do with stuff that was coming out in the Dominion defamation settlement and uh, things about uh, sexism and bullying and all of this. But, you know, if you want to know whether Tucker Carlson was a big deal or not, just listen to his salary. Tucker Carlson was making $20 million a year, it was reported by Forbes, to do his nightly show at Fox News. And to know that this was an abrupt thing, he gave no mention of it. In fact, in his last show, he ended his last show by saying, see you Monday. So this clearly, uh, it came down, if you read reports from Rupert Murdoch, from all the way at the top. And now there are people saying, will um, will Fox News even survive stuff like this versus, oh, this is a good that you're all over the place. But I know a lot of you out there Listen to a lot, watch a lot of Fox News and Tucker Carlson will be around. He's going to find his spot. But this has got to get us thinking again, just as Americans, but also as Christians. uh, Cable news. How do we process it? We talked about this last week with the lawsuit settlement with Dominion and Fox News, in which it kind of came out that there are people on Fox News who are like, I don't even really believe what I'm saying. But it's all kind of a script. It's all kind of a game. It's same as true at CNN, same as true as MSNBC, same as true at Newsmax. And many of you probably are thinking same is true on the mainstream medias, NBC, CBS, ABC. So what do we do? How do we do? If this really is a big entertainment game, money making deal where even the hosts don't necessarily believe what they're saying. I mean, sometimes they do. They probably believe a lot of what they're saying, but they also know how to make money. Then what do we do? Because here's what's happened. Churches have been pulled apart. Families have been splintered. The nation on many hands has been splintered by people's adherence to what they're hearing on these cable news channels, that they are believing it and sharing it and posting it and everything and talking about it at the dinner table and arguing about it in church from what they heard at Tucker Carlson or Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper, or Sean Hannity, or Rachel Maddow, or whatever else it might be, when maybe these people aren't even believing it to the the level you are. And that's where the conspiracy theories are coming. And that's So we must be more discerning. And the question is, how do we do that? How do we not fall for things that aren't true? How do we become discerning people? Well, let me make a couple suggestions. If you only get your news from Fox News, if you only get your news from MSNBC, if you only get your news from fill in the outlet, then you are going to have a skewed view. And you better believe that the algorithms are going to come for you on social media and they're going to continue just feeding you the same stuff and you're going to believe it even more. If you're only listening to one point of view, then you will be you will have a skewed view of things and it will be uh, crazy. Secondly, Uh, So I should say to that end, be reading widely, be watching widely, even if it's people you don't necessarily agree with, be reading and listening and watching and listening to podcasts. And you might be thinking, well, that sounds like a lot of work. 
you know what? If the alternative is that you fall for everything that somebody says, then then so be it. So watch widely and do it in community. Do it in community. And then can we also say this? Like, let's keep the main things the main things. Just because Fox News or MSNBC or them are really good at getting you worked up, don't allow that to allow you to split your family, to split your church, to lose friendships. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. They are in the game of making you angry and getting you riled up because it's good for their bottom line. And we know that, but yet we continue to fall for that. If all you watch is Fox News or all you watch is MSNBC— Turn on a game every now and then. Turn on something lighthearted. Read a book. Do something so that you get out of that echo chamber. You get out of that and you will be a lot better off. Your family will be better off. Your churches will be better off. We'll just be better off as people. Well, coming up next, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, CEO and founder of Foundation Worldview. She's going to join us. Her organization is fascinating. They are coming Uh, From this, they're trying to say, how do we equip parents to help their students and their kids know how to uh, to think well, to think with a Christian worldview with all the craziness that's going on around us? I'm excited to talk to Elizabeth Urbanowitz next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And we're excited to be joined by the founder of Foundation Worldview. Her name is Elizabeth Urbanowitz. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, you and I were just talking off air that you used to live in the Wheaton area. Now you're in Georgia and you said you didn't miss it at all. And it made me go, yeah, what are we doing up here? (laughs) (laughs) As it rains and snows and does all the craziness. So good life choice by you. But uh, as we said, you're the founder of Foundation Worldview. So let's just start foundationally. What is Foundation Worldview? And tell us the story as to why you started it in the first place. Yeah, so who we are is we're an organization that creates resources for parents and Christian educators and church leaders to equip the children that God has placed in our care to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter because we know that God is unchanging. The truth of his word is unchanging. What is changing is the culture around us. And so the ways in which we need to disciple our children to equip them to faithfully navigate the culture around us looks different than it did 20 years ago because in one year of each of our children's lives, they will be confronted with more competing ideas than most people throughout human history have been confronted with throughout their entire lives. So Mm -hmm. the skills that we need to give them to be able to think critically and understand the truth of Christianity look different than they did 20 years ago. And so we, we know that most parents and Christian educators and church leaders don't have time to actually, you know, sift through how do we do this? So we want to create resources that as long as someone knows how to press print and play, they can equip the children that God has placed in their care in this way. And the story just really quick behind this is I, you know, I never had any intention of starting a company or creating curriculum. (laughs) I was teaching at a Christian school in the Wheaton area, and Mm. it was a great school. And the students that got it placed in my care, they came from these great Christian homes. I was giving them a biblically-based education every day. Most of them were involved in the local church. But then just in my daily interactions with them, I noticed that they were rapidly absorbing ideas from culture without any question. They knew Mm. all the Bible stories. They knew all the Bible verses. But then just because of everything that was coming their way, they they didn't have any skills to be able to stop and pause and just say, okay, what have I just heard? 
is it true? Is it not true? How do I know? What do I do with it? So I just set out mm. on a journey and I started looking for, okay, what are resources that I can use in my third grade classroom, you know, to, to start equipping yes. the children God has placed in my care in this way. And everything that I found was for high school on up. And I was so grateful that those resources existed because, you know, we definitely need to equip high schoolers and college students and young adults in this way. However, I was like, man, if I'm seeing this issue when these kids are eight and nine years old, if we wait until they're 15, 16 or 17, we have lost so much ground and we're going to have to do so much reformative work. So I just started reading and researching and taking classes and I started to create curricular materials for my students and I taught it in an after-school class and I just really wanted to equip them to think, you know, when they turned on the TV. And that happened. Mom started calling me and saying, hey, my son wants to pause family movie night and evaluate the character's worldview. Like, <laughs> this is great, but I don't know how to do this, so can you help me with this? And then teachers from the upper grade levels who had students in my classroom, like fourth, fifth, sixth grade teachers were coming down to my class saying, how are you getting these kids in your class to think so deeply about science and mathematics and history and literature? Like, I've never even thought this deeply yeah. about these subjects from a Christian worldview. And so it just kind of took off. Um, and people started contacting me from all over saying, how can we get our hands on what you have? And I was like, mm. I'm a third grade teacher. I am not a publishing house. Like, <laughs> go read these books, take these classes. I'm sure you'll do fine. And everyone was like, no, just let us know when you have these published. So I just put that to the side, but it kept ha- I kept getting those requests for three years. So eventually I was like, okay, Lord, seems like there's something there. So I went back to school while I was teaching, got a master's degree in Christian apologetics from Biola University, just to make sure I really knew what I was talking about. And halfway through that degree, I stepped back from the classroom to start Foundation Worldview. So we've been in existence for almost five years now, and we're just, just have this goal of equipping parents and church leaders and Christian educators with these tools that they need to get their kids to understand the truth of Christianity. Yeah. What a fun story, how it started organically. Like, it's not like you set out to do this. That's great. Uh, You talked about helping kids think well. What does that look like? Because it's one thing to impart knowledge, right? Know this story, know this story, know this story. But talk about how, why it's important for kids to think well and, and how you do that. Yeah, I'm really glad that you asked that question, Brian, because I think it's something that we get confused with often, that often we confuse catechizing with thinking well. And there is a time for catechizing. You know, when children are six, seven on down, they're they're like little sponges and we do need to lay a solid foundation. So that is the time for memorization, you know, and just teaching them this is true, this is not true. But once they reach that eight, nine range, they start to develop some basic critical thinking skills that continue to grow as they develop and mature until adolescence and young adulthood. And if we, a lot of times in the Christian community, we think, okay, as long as we have them memorize scripture and as long as we have them memorize the right answer, then they're good. And they're able, you know, kids, kids are good performers. Sometimes, you know, they know the answers that we want and they they'll give us those answers. And then we like, we breathe a sigh of relief and we give them a pat on the back and a tootsie roll. And we're like, okay, I did my job where they're confronted with so many different ideas in the culture. And they're going to continue to be exposed to more and more as they grow. And so we need to equip them to think well, we need to first equip them to, to just identify what is the idea that I've just heard. Like, for example, if they hear the phrase, love is love, we need to equip them to pause and say, okay, what did I just hear? I heard this statement, love is love. How is this person defining love? Do I understand mm-hmm. how they're defining it? Do I maybe need to ask a clarifying question to yeah. understand how they're defining defining it? Then what 
like, how do I know whether or not this idea is well supported? Does this idea line up with scripture or does it contradict it? So we just need to give them some of these basic skills. And this can be scary, you know, because it means mm-hmm. that the kids aren't just always going to, you know, like <laughs> give us the exact answer that we want. But what we're doing is we're preparing them with the skills that they need to be independent thinkers so that when they hear false ideas, they're not just going to be taken captive to them blindly. So Mm -hmm. that's what I mean, just basically when I say careful thinking. (laughs) That's great. Uh, There's probably a lot of parents out there thinking, what about the tough issues, right? Like uh, Mm -hmm. whether it be other religions or sexuality or whatever else Mm -hmm. it might be, these kind of culture these, these yeah. big issues. I think I, I've got kids. A lot of times as parents, we just don't want our kids to hear about it, like just mm-hmm. kind of shelter them. But I'm guessing you take a different approach. So how can parents think through those tough issues and what's some advice you could give to them? Yeah, well, I, I kind of like to think about it like um, like germs. And when our kids are exposed to germs in small doses, you know, whether that just be through exposure, you know, like in the classroom or in the community, you know, or different different ways, they tend not to get quite as sick. We're, when we keep our kids just hold away in our houses and we're constantly making them use hand sanitizer, you know, never going around anyone who's sick, then when they eventually are exposed to germs, they, they're, they're hit really hard. And so that's the analogy that I like to use in saying we need to expose our kids to these false ideas in small bite-sized pieces when they're still within the safety of our own homes, our own churches, our own schools, so that they can then be basically inoculated against them and understand why they're false. An example that I like to give is when I first started teaching just comparative worldviews to my third graders, I introduced them to different ideas about morality, about what is right and what is wrong. And so first we just looked at, you know, like, what are the, the different options out there? You know, like there's options that some people believe, you know, that the, that the community gets together and everybody votes on what's right and what's wrong. You know, there's other people that believe that the government, you know, whatever the government says is right or what wrong. You know, there's other people that believe a certain God or gods have, you know, given us the rules for right and wrong. Other people believe that we're supposed to follow our heart. And we then looked at scripture, you know, dove down deep into scripture and looked at, you know, right and wrong, according to the biblical worldview, come from God's character and nature, Mm. that God tells us that we're to be holy because he is holy. So anything that aligns with God's character is what is good and right and true. And anything that contradicts it is wrong and right and wrong Mm. are not arbitrary and they're higher than us and they're real. Then after that, we looked at just, you know, more the postmodern idea of, you know, we're just supposed to, we're just supposed to follow our heart. You know, like our inner world is the most reliable guide to reality. And we, we, we researched that. And then very quickly, the students were able to come up with so many good questions. One student raised his hand and was like, uh, Mr. Banowitz, I am super confused. And I was like, what are you confused about, Josh? He said, okay, so let's say my heart tells me that I need a PlayStation and my dad's heart tells him I don't need a PlayStation. Like, what are we going to do? And I was like, oh, so you're saying our hearts are going to contradict one another sometimes. Mm. He was like, yeah, like all the time. So I was like, okay, so Josh, in that situation, what would happen? He was like, well, my dad would win. And I was like, well, why? Because he's the biggest and the strongest and he has the money. And I said, oh, uh, so you mean <laughs> in that situation where we're all following our hearts, yeah. it's the person who's the biggest and the strongest and has the most money that's going to win. And so kids are able to see through these things so quickly. And then when we're thinking about tough cultural issues, you know, I think probably as we're recording this, you know, in April of 2023, a lot of people are thinking about transgenderism because, you know, there's this huge cultural push towards transgenderism. If we can equip our kids at a young age with some basic skills to think through the difference between 
objective truth claims that are either true or false and just subjective emotions, they're going to be able to see what's going on culturally. And we've even, we've even seen this at Foundation Worldview. We have a, an early childhood worldview curriculum for kids ages four to seven. And in that, the first three lessons are about you know true versus not true versus feelings. And we play this game that we layer over the three lessons that we first just teach the kids that truth is what is real. We give them some sentences that are true and some sentences that are not true. If we say a true sentence, they have to lift up their arms and spread them wide and yell true. And if they're not true, they cross them in front of them like an X and say not true. Then we teach them how feelings are different and feelings are going to change from person to person. And so then we give them true, not true and feeling sentences. And whenever we give them a feeling sentence, they're supposed to hug themselves mm-hmm. and say feeling. And we had someone write into our ministry and say that their child was in a situation where they had a substitute teacher in class who was a biological male who was presenting as a female, so a transgendered Mm. woman. And the the son came in the car and the mom was just asking him about his school day and he was explaining his teacher was absent and that they had a substitute teacher that was, he said, he put it, you know, like he was a boy, but he had us call him Mrs. So-and-so and and he had a dress Mm. on. And so the mom, you know, was kind of like freaking out inside and without saying anything, the boy says, isn't that so sad that he is believing that his feelings are what is most real rather Hmm. than the truth of his body. You know, so just by giving these categories, he was able to see through that without the mom, you know, having any conversations directly about that. So when we give our kids these skills, it's amazing what they, what they can see. (laughs) Oh, that's really good. What a great story. Again, Elizabeth Urbanowitz is the founder and CEO of Foundation Worldview. Uh, Before we let you go, Elizabeth, just really fast, where can people find it? Where can they get the curriculum? How can they find out more about Foundation Worldview? Yes. If you remember our name, Foundation Worldview, just go to foundationworldview.com and you can find out information about our ministry there. Awesome. What a great thing you guys are doing, Elizabeth. Thanks for spending some time with us. AIM 1160, hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.